Coming up on episode one of the Keto Camp podcast, we have the world leader in true cellular detox, Dr. Dan Pompa. So many people are realizing today that toxins are why they don't feel well, why their hormones aren't regulating, why they're gaining weight and can't lose it. I mean, all of those things, why they have thyroid issues. I mean, mercury, it's a thyroid magnet. Or, you know, it's, or the thyroid's a magnet for mercury. You know, but the fact is, is they go and they do this mercury cleanse or Corella or the 10 day cleanse that their doctor gives them or they find at Whole Foods. It's not like that. I wish it were that simple. I'm a certified functional health practitioner who's on a mission to educate 1 billion people. I've been obese for most of my life. From rock bottom to the top of the mountain, I am passionate about studying ancient healing strategies like fasting and the ketogenic diet and curating this information on the Keto Camp podcast. My goal is to bring you the thought leaders in this space. My name is Ben Azadi, and I want to thank you for spending part of your day with me. Well, here we are, episode number one of many more to come. I am honored to have Dr. Pompa as the first guest of the Keto Camp podcast. You see, Dr. Pompa has been around for quite some time, and he is a world leader in true cellular detox, as I mentioned at the beginning. His message resonates with me so much. I've been studying him for years. I finally got the pleasure and privilege of watching him speak in person uh, a couple years ago in Boca Raton, Florida, and what he shared on stage just pulled at my heartstrings. I want to make an impact on this world, and he does too. And he has a dream, he has a vision to develop a team of 300 strong health practitioners to make that change. And I made the decision to join what he's up to. I made a decision to join his program of amazing doctors that are set out to make a difference in this world. On this episode, you're going to learn so much. What we covered is just transformational information. We talk about antibiotics, how it originated, and why it's actually doing more harm than good, and when you should actually take it. He shared his story about losing his life, essentially, to mercury toxicity from his silver fillings and what he had to do to get his life back. And through that pain, his purpose was revealed he talked about hidden infections like root canals and why root canals, 100% of them are infected. He revealed the top three hidden sources he's seen with thousands of his patients over the years and what we should do about them. He talked about fasting and how he's seen it shrink tumors in his patients. He shares about dry fasting and how you could get three times the autophagy with dry fasting. He revealed the four supplements he takes his patients off immediately when he starts working with them. And hey, I, I promise you, chances are you're taking at least one of these supplements. It's just a great conversation that I'm grateful to share with you guys. So without further ado, here is Dr. Dan Pompa. Welcome to the Keto Camp Podcast. I'm here with my coach, my mentor, Dr. Dan Pompa. Welcome to the show. Yeah, glad to be here. Can't wait. 
I'm glad that you're here because this is actually the first episode of the podcast and I am honored that you are the first person on this show because not only are you my coach and mentor, I truly believe you're one of the most brilliant persons in the health space and what you're doing in this world and your story is absolutely, absolutely remarkable, Dan. So I want to start with your story. I want to start with what it was like growing up with a father who was a bricklayer and he would, he would stitch you up, right? And he, you didn't get shots as a kid. And, uh, I'm sure that's very viewed as abnormal to a traditional American household. So I would like to know, go back to your childhood and how that was growing up in that house. Well, you know, I mean, I had a few vaccines, right? um, But my dad was not big into getting me these even vaccines. I remember him saying, he doesn't need it, miss it. And I was so glad. I just remember as a kid because I didn't want to get a shot, right? I didn't know good or bad. I just didn't want to get a shot. My father was like, he doesn't need that. But I do remember when they lined us up in school and I got one. But, you know, so very few. But antibiotics, you know, never. Uh, Matter of fact, I remember I cut my finger off and they gave me an antibiotic and I took it for about a day, maybe two. And he said, you know, he's fine. (laughs) And I I also, I I love telling the story that one time I, I... thought I broke my leg skiing. and I, I was certain of it. And he was like, uh, let, let's wait. We'll, you know, we'll bring him home. I think he'll be just fine. You know, he, he kind of looked at it. You have to understand my father was in the military. He was in World War II. And it wasn't until I actually watched a show on World War II and he was, you know, literally spent time in the foxholes trapped, but they doctored themselves. And I'm like, that's where he got it really, you know, because they had to, they doctored themselves and um, he would like always doctor me. I came home with gaping wounds and he'd be bandaging it up, sterilizing it. So, I mean, he was the bricklayer, uh, that was just the, uh, you know, the, the home doctor, I guess. But like I, like I said, I think he learned a lot of it in the art or in the Marines. But, you know, the fact was, is that I grew up with a very natural philosophy of living unknowing. I just thought this is the way it was. So that was my childhood. Does that show up with your children right now? Uh, yeah, because of course I doctor them, right? And uh, you know they are always like, "Dad, can't you just stitch it up?" Or I mean, we super glue cuts. I mean, you know, <laughs> it's like, so yeah. I mean, uh, my kids have never taken an antibiotic. Well, that's not true. My son Simon, um, he had he broke his arm severely, and they had to put rods in, and the darn rod got infected, and that's a bone infection. So he was the only one, and I was the first one, by the way, to say. I think he needs an antibiotic, you know, because I know how deadly those infections are. Um, but other than that, my kids have had earaches. I'm sure they've had strep throat, uh, all of it, and they've never had an antibiotic. Uh, so, but again, I, to my point, there's a time and a place. And I felt that was the time when he had that bone infection, which is deadly. So that's when I did it. Yeah, that's a good point. There is a time and place for it. We are not anti-antibiotics all the time. There is a time and place where it could save somebody's life. Absolutely. So what's the problem with taking too much antibiotics for any for anything? You're just taking antibiotics, and I see it all the time. What's the issue with that? Yeah, I mean, obviously, uh, it wipes out your microbiome, which is 70 to 80% of your immune system. So it creates immune problems later, right? Uh, and, and I think we've just learned that. It, it, the you know, after World War II, we thought antibiotics were the savior. We're going to beat all bacteria. And we've learned a lot in the last decade that, in fact, we've created a lot of disease because of antibiotics. And again, with that said, have lives been saved from them? Yes. But one of the early researchers on antibiotics and creator of uh, said he believes that we created more disease with antibiotics than with lives we've saved. That's a strong statement. 
because when you look at you know the way we lived life early on, uh, infectious disease killed a lot of people, and antibiotics, in fact, saved a lot of lives. However, uh, today we are absolutely creating more disease with them than without, according to him. Is that because we're creating these mega, super resistant bugs that you need to up the dose just to get at them? Correct. Right. If we used them for my philosophy, right? I mean, when absolutely necessary, then instead of the cover your butt medicine that they're used for, I mean, people get walking pneumonia and they get slapped with antibiotics when they really don't work for viruses. Z packs, when people have sinus infections. I mean, this is just not what antibiotics were created for. Uh, so, because of that, yeah, we've created a lot of superbugs in resistant bacteria that are now killing people and are now affecting people at a much higher rate than ever anticipated. So I want to go back still to your childhood and just growing up. At what point during your childhood were you inspired to become a health practitioner, to become a doctor? At what point were, did you feel like this is the route you want to take? You know, it's funny. My sister recently sent me this thing. She was cleaning out boxes, pictures, and it was a little thing I made in school, evidently. And it was, I'm going to be, it was Dr. Dan uh, and da, da, da. And I, I did this like whole thing, right? And then this book that I love, Dr. Dan, The Bandage Man. Anyway, so evidently <laughs> it was from childhood. Now, I can't recall that. Um, but she said, you know, you were you know, destined for that. Probably watching my father always fix me up, you know. Um, but who knows? I had started college as pre-dental. So I felt like my interest was health. You know, being a wrestler, I was probably the only one on the team going, this cutting weight thing, you know, that most people do, just cutting calories didn't make sense to me. I started reading all types of fitness magazines and muscle and fitness. I, I think it was the only thing we had in the 80s, right? And um, anyways, and I was reading a lot about how to do keep your muscle and be as lean as possible. I mean, that's basically what muscle fitness was about then, you know, and it was the whole bodybuilding scene really. But I learned, I learned that cutting calories didn't work and it, you lose strength, et cetera. And so the bottom line is I, I just took a love to health. So going into saying, what am I going to do for my life? I was like, well, I just kind of want to do something in the health field. And my neighbor was a dentist and, you know, I thought he had a pretty good life and it's something I'm interested in, I think. <laughs> so I didn't end up in dental school. I went, spent one day in a dental, uh, like with a dentist in an office. And I'm like, there's no way I'm looking at somebody's mouth my entire life. You know, but it's funny because in full circle, I probably know more about dentistry than most dentists. You know, so somehow it was destined. But, you know, the fact is, is that I, you know, because I ended up graduating with just a, a simple, you know, business degree in communications economics. And I didn't know what the heck I wanted to do. And I ended up down in Ocean City, Maryland, and I ran a, a marketing and a sales crew, right? Well, they all ended up on the Pampa diet, you know? So that, that's basically, you know, it started then. I mean, these guys that worked for me, they actually, most of them, some of them lived with me. Uh, we all ate the same diet and they called it the, the Papa diet and the program, actually the program, it evolved into calling it the program. So this is before, you know, chiropractic school, anything. So I was literally running a diet back in the day. I mean, imagine in college, right? Cause I was doing this job while I was going to college and then after I graduated. So you know, the interest was there. And then I ended up going to chiropractic school because I injured my neck severely. 
and I was walking around, couldn't turn all the time. And finally, a gentleman, I was just working uh, with him doing gym memberships because what I was doing in Ocean City, Maryland collapsed. And bottom line is, is that I, again, I evolved into something healthy, right? And he said, you have to go see my brother. He's a chiropractor. And so I said, I don't go to doctors. Ah, he's different. So finally I went and I sat in his waiting room and I was enthralled with this video of a guy named Reggie Gold. And I kept asking questions and I went to his doctor's report and his health class. And he said, eventually he kept saying, man, you'd be the best chiropractor. You'd be the best chiropractor. So like three or four years later, I ended up going back to school and to be a chiropractor. So there, that's how I got to at least to that point. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's, that's really interesting. I didn't know a lot, of, a lot about that. Do you yeah. still talk to uh, Reggie Gold? Is he still around? Yeah, no, I, Reggie Gold died, actually. He was an icon in chiropractic, though, in his videos. Matter of fact, ironically enough, him and I would get into arguments about nutrition. He was <laughs> solid chiropractic. And I was like, well, yeah, but, you know, can't this create subluxation? And how do you just think? So, you know, I mean, that was something that uh, at the seminars, you know, Reggie Gold and I would kind of go at it. But, yeah, so Bill Cole, actually, the gentleman who said you need to be a chiropractor, who is my chiropractor, is still one of my best friends. I just saw him this past weekend. That's the guy that we were talking about was, was sick, remember? He had a – we thought maybe he had a pancreatitis – or I'm sorry. Um, Appendicitis. But it ended up to be a kidney stone. But anyways, the bottom line is, I just saw him, you know, and he's still my one of my best friends. That's awesome. You know, I actually just interviewed his uh, his son, Dr. Will Cole, this morning. Yeah, yeah. he was a baby when I, was, when I knew him. Literally, when I was practicing, he was a baby. I mean, it's like, it's amazing. He's a chiropractor, right? It's like- So cool. Yeah, he's yeah. doing a lot of cool uh, cool things too. So yeah. that, that's so cool how it's just full circle, how we're all yeah. connected. All right, so you, you're a chiropractor now. You have your practice and it was a, a thriving practice and you were a cyclist. You love riding your bike and you got really sick. Can you, can you go from there? Yeah, um, you know, I was- arguably the best shape of my life. I was training for these cycling races that were very difficult and I fatigue hit and I just thought I was overtraining. So I cut back and it was getting worse and, and went from fatigue to anxiety, insomnia, panic attacks, allergic to everything I was eating. I mean, horrific. Uh, life as I know it came to a screeching halt. My adrenals were fried. I, I couldn't even watch a movie because it was just the noise was too much for me. That's how fried my adrenals were. And I'm no big football fan, but I remember my neighbors coming over and I, I couldn't handle even the excitement of a football game. I, I had to keep leaving, uh, you know, and I addressed my adrenals like so many people did and might've helped some things, but most of the time it long-term, it didn't do anything really. I mean, as a matter of fact, sometimes it created more anxiety. My thyroid, I knew that was wrong, even though my blood work was normal. My hair was thinning. I mean, I was losing muscle, gaining belly fat. I mean, I, I just became this person who couldn't handle any stress. I, I was extremely irritable, angry. I just became someone who I didn't know. Uh, my wife, the kids would be crying. I had two young boys at the time and um, just babies. I mean, I couldn't handle them crying. My wife would have to take them out of the house because I would just go into rage. I, I just, I, life as I know it, you know, really just came to a screeching halt. I, I couldn't practice anymore. And matter of fact, that gentleman we were talking about, Bill Cole, I ended up in practice with him. We had two different practices, one in one area and one in another. And I f remember the day I had to go to him and say, man, I'm, I'm sick. I was kind of trying to hide it, but the practice was like plummeting. Yeah, that was a very emotional day for me. So it was, it was rough. How old were you? Well, let's see. It was 1999. 
Um, I'm going to be 54 this year. You can do the math, but 30s, you know, when it happened. So it was 1999, 2000, 2001, 2003, 2005. I just started getting my life back because I had gotten to what I realized was the problem. It took me that long, unfortunately. And then, you know, I mean, we had another horrific tragedy in 2005, just as I was getting my life back. Matter of fact, uh, there's a picture here, but we inherited two kids. So this was right at that time. So this was 2005. We adopted these two. And these were the two, when I was sick, that were babies. And when I started getting my life back, we had this one. <laughs> he was six weeks old at that time when we adopted these two. So these two lost their parents tragically. He, you can tell kind of by the picture, he was on the autism spectrum, uh, full-blown Asperger's sensory integration. Uh, the good news is they're 22 now, <laughs> and you would never know. He works for my company now. He has his own company. Uh, you would never know he was autistic. So when I applied to get myself well, I applied to get Dylan well. Olivia, they were twins, and we adopted them. They were seven. I think I said that. But, you know, he was vaccine damaged. He was sent over the edge by each vaccine round. And she was not affected at that time. But when she became a teenager, she ended up with like fibromyalgia symptoms, sensitivity to pain, you know, just all types of sensitivities, almost like what Dylan went through when he was younger. Very typical. The girl has a little estrogen protection uh, from the neurotoxins when younger, but later on in life, they end up getting it. And, you know, so all of us have been through cellular detox. <laughs> so my wife had very high lead levels and gave it to my genetic boys, which is a whole nother story. But, and of course me, I ended up mercury poison. That's what ended up wrong with me. But anyways, there's the story. Yeah, well, I want to go back to that. So you, you got your life back and you figured out what the cause was, what was the interference, which was mercury poisoning. But how did you discover that? And, 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 yeah. uh, and paint that picture because so many people have mercury poisoning yeah. and they don't realize it. You know, I, I was doing a lot of searching online, you know, obviously looking, and I was really good at reading literature and remembering what I read. Now, at that time, my brain, I had massive brain fog as part of the symptoms too, but I would go in and out of being able to use my brain again, and that's when I would really dig. I found Mad Hatter's disease. Mad Hatter's disease, I don't know if you recall, but it's they were using mercury as a part of the process of making hats, and they became mercury poisoned and were mad as a hatter. That was me. I had every symptom personality changes, mood, I mean, all of it, right? It's like, so I thought this is it. Went and did a blood test, negative. It was a little over a year later. I became good friends with an endocrinologist, very bright guy. Uh, he just, you know, he gave me his time. I read his books. I knew his stuff really well. He said to me one day, you know, I think you have mercury toxicity. And he based that a lot on the symptoms, obviously, but even my low chronic blood uh, body temperature. So, you know, he was trying to helped me with my thyroid and adrenal issues, which wasn't working. But he said, you might have mercury toxicity. I said, yeah, I thought so too. I did a blood test. It was negative. He said, wrong test. You need to challenge it out of the tissue. It's not in the blood, maybe a couple of days. The Mad Hatter's people, you know, they were getting poisoned every day. That's why it was in their blood. But for you, it's, I'm thinking it's more chronic where it's stored in the tissue. You wouldn't see it in the blood. So I did the challenge test and there it was along with some lead and other metals. So of course I asked, what do you think it was? And he said, did you get any dental work done around the time this happened? And I said, maybe because I had a gold crown put in 
and they took out two silver fillings which contained 50% mercury. And I didn't know that obviously at the time I learned that. I still had six others in my mouth, maybe more. And that gold filling, as I learned, creates galvanism, which is an electrical current with the two different metals. That's what a battery is, two different metals with an acid and that your saliva is the acid. And that current made mercury just flow out of those other fillings. Now, granted, my bucket was filling my entire life. Uh, matter of fact, uh, the, the first exposure is in utero. The number of fillings your mom has is proportional to how much mercury is in the baby's brain. And that study is the draft study. They actually looked at autopsies. So that's pretty dang accurate. And I had already mentioned lead comes number one source is mom. So my wife had high lead and gave it to my children, but my mom evidently had some high lead too. So the bottom line is I was accumulating these metals in utero all the way through life. And I would still have said I was healthy, like most people, right? But looking back, I had certain sensitivities as a kid. I had these times of fatigue, snap out of it, you know. But I mean, I was healthy as a kid. I, I definitely didn't get sick as most kids did. But that's not the whole judgment of how we look at health. <laughs> After those two fillings came out, my bucket overflowed. So imagine we all have different size buckets genetically. And from the time in mama's belly, <laughs> that bucket starts filling all the different exposures. And one day it overflows. That was my day. And that's when the fatigue started. I never correlated it to those fillings drilling it out. Now, granted, drilling the fillings out made it overflow faster, but it was right on the edge anyway. So yeah, that's my story. So everything I teach, as you know, came out of that. My story, you know, no doubt, pain to purpose. So what, what's the exact issue with having the silver fillings? It's 50% mercury. It vaporizes into the brain. Why does that create so much havoc in the body? Yeah, I mean, in the studies, it goes, most of that mercury goes into the brain, but in particular, the hypothalamus pituitary. That is the area that controls your thyroid. No wonder I had so many issues there, your adrenals. As a matter of fact, you know, when I was looking to what was wrong, and I realized I was too far downstream trying to get my adrenals right and my thyroid, I realized the pituitary hypothalamus, something was wrong there. That's your feedback, that's your control tower that regulates all of these hormones. And I knew something was wrong there. I just couldn't figure it out. And when I would try to address the hypothalamus pituitary, my sleep would get worse, like you know, horrible anxiety. So finding out that that's where the mercury accumulates, especially from the vapor of these fillings. So even if you got your fillings out, according to studies, you have mercury in your brain, and in particular, that hypothalamus pituitary, which runs your hormone system. So that's the problem. So you know, as part of what I teach is the brain phase, and that's how I got my life back. I got that mercury out of there, and my life started coming back as that mercury came out of my brain. And so many people are realizing today that toxins are why they don't feel well, why their hormones aren't regulating, why they're gaining weight and can't lose it. I mean, all of those things, why they have thyroid issues. I mean, mercury, it's a thyroid magnet. Or, you know, it's, or the thyroid's a magnet for mercury. You know, but the fact is, is they go and they do this mercury cleanse or Corella or the 10 day cleanse that their doctor gives them or they find at Whole Foods. It's not like that. I wish it were that simple. You know, the brain phase is something I did for years to get the mercury out of my brain, but I got my life back. 
Yeah, and you you're, you've taught me that that method, and I'm doing it on myself because I had eight small silver fillings for 20 years of my life, which affected my health and it, it triggered these bad genes. So you, you're teaching me exactly how you got your life back. You're teaching it to me and so many other people. Can you give the analogy? It's a brilliant analogy of going downstream that river when you're going downstream and why it's not going to get to the root cause. Could you give that analogy? Yeah, you know, I, I think that most people, even with a detox they're doing, is it's too far downstream. The treatments, when I was dressing my adrenals, too far downstream. Here's what I mean. So if think of a river, you know, the fish are dying. That was my gut. That's why I was intolerant to every food I ate, right? And that was affecting my immune system. But anyways, the fish are dying. All the good algaes and bacterias are dying and the bad guys are showing up and it becomes a cesspool down the river. And so we clean it up and we bring in new fish and they die again. Uh, we do it again. We clean it up again, bring in new fish, they're dying again. Only to find out that 20 miles upstream, there's a factory dumping mercury into the river. It's not until we get rid of the factory, clean up that, that we're able to get the fish to actually survive and the microbiome and the algae, the good algae to come back and microorganisms. So I think that's what a lot of people are doing today. They're downstream trying to fix their gut, trying to fix their adrenals, their thyroid, their whatever it is. And they're taking a lot of good supplements, I'm sure. Um, maybe they're doing it with medication, chasing symptoms. Who knows? But the fact is, is that I didn't get my life back or you or thousands of others by doing all of those things downstream. Some of those things are necessary, but you ultimately have to go upstream and see what's going on up there. What toxic big sources are there? And these hidden sources, like mercury, like lead and other heavy metals, people don't consider it because they bioaccumulate, meaning they basically accumulate in your tissues since the time, again, in mama's belly, utero, all the way to when you start getting sick. Then there's mold. How many people do we find are sick hormonally, gain weight, right? It was your story because there was mold. They didn't know that they were being exposed to mold. And it eventually knocks them out. And they're going to spend a lot of money on a lot of supplements and a lot of different things, medications, but they didn't realize because you don't see mold. Nobody sees mold. It's always behind walls. Or the last one, hidden infections. Hidden infections, how many people? You, you were seeing this with our doctors, right? And the, you know, all, you're on all of our training calls. And the stories that we hear, it's someone was sick for years, and they were this expert, that expert, the best of the best. And they find a hidden infection, whether it's a wisdom tooth that was pulled out, and years later, a cavitation, meaning it heals over and forms an infection in the jaw that you don't realize until 25 years later, or a root canal, which is hidden infection. So, you know, these things, these three things, metals, mold, and hidden infections, I think are the top three big ones that people miss upstream and why they can't get well, why they can't lose weight, why their gut's not healing. So you have to evaluate those three things. Why are dentists still doing root canals and still putting silver fillings in people's mouths? Well, the ADA, uh, it's, it's a cash cow. And for the ADA to say, oh, these are bad now, it would be a backlash in lawsuits. There's a lot of legal actions. Matter of fact, there was just a documentary called Root Cause, and it was on Netflix, and it was getting such attention because so many people suffered from the very thing the gentleman in the documentary suffered with. They took it down. The ADA was behind that. And later, 
uh, you'll see, I, I think, a, a backlash from them taking it down because I think it's gaining. You can go to Root Cause the movie and actually watch it for free. But uh, look, this is a massive problem, uh, the way dentistry was done. Silver fillings, the ADA still insists they're okay. Why? Because of the backlash it would occur. Uh, when testing root canals, I, I remember I had a uh, gentleman, Boyd Haley, speak at one of my seminars. He did a study. They looked at basically healthy root canals, meaning no symptom root canals. And all the docs were sending their root canals they extracted for other reasons. And 100% of them had anaerobic bacteria within them. So these things are nasty. I think Western Price took these root canals and planted them in rabbits, created the same diseases that they saw in humans in the rabbits. And that was one of the early signs that these things are actually toxic, and they are. Watch the documentary. <laughs> it's a really good documentary. I saw it myself, and I refer all my clients to go watch it. So what you just said is 100% of root canals are infected. Yes, and yet they're still doing them because it is a cash cow of a dentistry. Now, there's a growing group of dentists called biological dentists who are not doing them anymore to their defense and who won't put amalgam fillings in anymore. Uh, the IAOMT.org is a group of these dentists. Uh, that's a good place that you can find a safe dentist. But now, even if you Google biological safe dentists, you'll find a list of them. These dentists know how to take fillings out correctly. You don't want to just get these fillings ripped out because look what happened to me. There's a process to do it correctly to minimize the mercury vapor. And if you've had them out, know this, that mercury, that vapor turns to inorganic mercury in the brain and there it's locked. And it's locked for life unless you do the right detox to get it out. And by the way, it could go to other places in the brain. And where it goes is oftentimes what diseases it will create. Neurodegenerative diseases like Parkinson's, Alzheimer's, ALS. Mercury is linked to all of those conditions, especially when you have other elevated metals like lead. And then Stephanie Seneff, senior scientist at MIT, she did a study in 2012. She was the first to show that when you already have elevated heavy metals and you're exposed to glyphosate, which is in our food supply. It's a pesticide they're using on all of our food. It opens up the brain and allows these metals to cross even deeper. She believes that the combination of this glyphosate chemical from our food and the heavy metals is driving dementia, Alzheimer's, autism, and she believes it's part of this perfect storm that's occurring right now. You know, we live in a time like no other where we're just getting bombarded and we're getting punched across her face with everything you just mentioned plus so much more and it's a real testament to the human body that we're even able to function it's, it's really remarkable and, and by the way i'm going to put all the links of what dr pompa talked about in the show notes you have a solution what you teach is called the 180 solution could you explain your 180 approach to health yeah yeah you know you learn these things after so many years that the 180 degree solution is basically you watch what the media is putting out what's in the magazines, what's in the newspaper, and you basically do 180 degrees opposite and somehow you land on the truth every time. <laughs> Whether, I don't care what subject it is, it's a magical formula, so don't overcomplicate it. Just watch what the media is saying, do the opposite, and you'll find the truth somehow, some way. <laughs> so true, I love that. So you have a, a new book that's coming out at the end of this month, at the end of June, is that correct? Mm -hmm. I have a, an advanced copy. It's, it's, it's going to be a different cover, but this is the one I have. Amazing book. It's called Beyond Fasting. A, the, is it the same subtitle? 
Yeah. Well, it, yeah, it, it's, it will probably have a little different subtitle, but that'll be in it somewhere because cellular healing is what we do. But yeah, you got a, basically a, an unedited version, but we wanted to put it out for our seminar. But yeah, my life's work is in there. It's an amazing book. It's actually one of the best books that I've ever read, and it's not even the final version. So I can't wait for the final version. Yeah, exactly. So go to beyondfastingbook.com, pre-order this. It's going to be one of the best books you've ever read in your life. I could, I could guarantee that myself. Yeah. You are known as a fasting expert. I've studied a lot of different people over the last few years. And like I said, you're one of the most brilliant people that I've got to the pleasure of studying and now knowing and coaching me. Fasting is one of your specialties. And yeah, it's one of the most popular search terms on Dr. Google as it's in vogue as, what, as, you, as you say all the time. But you've been studying fasting and implementing it with your patients since the 90s. And you shared a story on stage last week that I never heard before, which you were amazing at the Systemic Formulas Conference in Utah. You shared a story about a patient you had who had a, uh, a tumor. Could you just uh, share that story yeah, with the audience? Know, I, was, I was. I was learning about uh, fasting in the 90s. And I was just absolutely fascinated. And it was funny because Bill Cole was there. Uh, it was amazing because we were really into fasting at that time together. And we, had, we were going to all the different fasting clinics and, uh, you know, just learning and reading every book. And, you know, at that point, we really hadn't put it into practice. We didn't know a way to monetize that or how to use that. And this woman comes in and she was a patient for ours for a while. And she was trusted us and she, they were going to, she didn't want the surgery of this tumor that they were going to do. And she said, you know, I'm just not going to do that. What would you recommend? I'm like, ah, fasting. That's what I would do if I were you. And I like gave her all this stuff to read, educate her. She's like, I'm fasting. She fasted for 26 and a half days and her tumor started this big. And by the end of that fast, it was about this big. And she did some other fasting after that and took it down to nothing. But I jokingly from state told her, I mean, this is a true story. She would come in in the beginning. She was so sick. I mean, her body was breaking out into like nasty, bloody hives. And her body was just expressing toxins from every orifice. I can tell you that. Her family said that we, they had to create cross ventilation in the house and with fans because she stunk that bad. And she did. And, and eventually, she came into the clinic just bubbling. I mean, it was like after so many days, she'd come in like, um, I, this is the best I felt, you know, and it, it just turned uh, her health around. So that was my first experience. And then my wife, I told that story too. My wife was my second. You know, she was diagnosed with a stage four, basically pre-cancer. And they said, I'm sure there's cancer cells in there. And we're going to basically take out all of these tissues. And I said, no. That's not going to happen. We're going to fast you first, honey. And the doctor said, you'll be back. Well, we weren't back. So she went on, um, I think her fast was like 11 days or 12 days. And it worked. You know, that was years and years ago. So my wife's in her 50s now, no problems. But the bottom line is that was my early experience with fasting. And, you know, I, I kind of, fasting wasn't in vogue. I kind of put it on the shelf for a while as practice changed. I got into structural correction and different things. And it was, you know, I don't know how many years ago, but some years ago that, you know, pulled it back off the shelf, you know, because certain conditions I realized, wait, fasting is perfect with the cellular detox. You know, learned that the cellular detox with the fasting strategies, and it's, there's many of them, as you know, ended up to be the magic and everything that I teach in my multi-therapeutic approach today. 
That's so cool. So you didn't understand it back then, the, the term autophagy and what was happening in the body. So could you go into depth on why that tumor shrunk? What happened in the body that yeah, made I, that tumor shrink? It, it is that word autophagy, but let me explain. You know, So one of the criticisms back in the 90s about fasting was it lowers your immune system because they're lo- looking at this massive drop in white blood cells during a fast. But all we would say to that is clinically is, look, all we know is it turns hyperimmunity off, meaning allergies, food allergies, um, autoimmune conditions, works amazing. You know, and, and I have these testimonies online for people with scleroderma and severe conditions. You know, fasting is a big part of that, as well as the cellular detox, but it downregulates the hyperimmunity and it upregulates good immunity. So how do we explain this massive drop in white blood cells, which we thought was bad, at least people thought was bad, well, recently, a scientist and researcher, Dr. Walter Longo, has shown what actually happens, as well as 2016 Nobel Prize winner, a Japanese gentleman, he won the Nobel Prize for this word autophagy. So what we know now is the drop in white blood cells is due to the autophagy, meaning the body's so smart, it takes the energy that it needs to keep life going, and it gets it from your bad cells. It is that smart. So it goes after the white blood cells that are living too long, driving inflammation, driving hyperimmunity, autoimmunity, allergies, all of it. It goes after those first. And that's why we see the drop in white blood cells. Here's what we also learned is that for every bad cell it gets rid of, it upregulates a stem cell and creates a new white blood cell that's not overreactive, more naive. So it's not doing all the bad things that the old, the, the cells living too old, it's called senescent cells, uh, are doing. So we're creating new ones that aren't driving inflammation and function better. Therefore, your immune system is better. Downregulated immunity, upregulated immunity, uh, good immunity. So that's what we know today. So that's why we would see tumors shrink. And now Thomas Seyfried, I have his book here somewhere. He's a cancer researcher, 26 years in regular cancer treatment research, developing chemo drugs, using them in practice. I've interviewed him a few times, and now realizing that fasting, ketosis, as we're a fan of, actually shrinks these tumors via this autophagy. So now this gentleman, and I hope a growing number of scientists are realizing that fasting is an option for many of these conditions. And that's why tumors shrink, autophagy. So, so fascinating. I, I love fasting. I love keto. I, I love them and tandem together. Are you fasted right now? I am. I'm day three, two days into a dry fast. <laughs> yeah, you're doing, you're, oh, a dry fast. Yeah, yeah. So I'm, I'm hard dry fast. So that, that's a whole nother subject. <laughs> that means I've, I've been doing two days without food or water. Uh, the first day, I started just into a partial fast, and then I went right into a dry fast. And so, yeah, you know, it uh, actually hasn't been bad at all. Um, I had some autophagy occurring last night. Yeah, so most fasts are either water, right, where you're allowed to drink water, or a partial fast where you're allowed to eat so many calories, maybe 500 to 1,000 calories. That's called a partial fast, keeping protein under a certain amount so we don't basically stop this autophagy. So if you take in too much protein or too many calories, you stop the autophagy. But if you reduce your calories in your protein, you get autophagy just like in a water fast. However, dry fasting, you get three to one autophagy, meaning that my body's going to eat up bad cells at a much higher rate dry fasting 
Why? Because your body needs water to survive, as we all know, but it knows how to get water. So it just destroys your fat cells and the visceral fat cells, which hold all the toxins and the bad cells. So it gets what it needs with uh, this autophagy. It's that smart. So dry fasting is a way to accelerate it. So I'm going to eat later today. I just wanted to do two days of dry and then go back into my partial fast. A lot of times I just do five days of just water. Uh, this time I did a combination of dry and partial. Just I like to do different things, but I fast typically four times a year, a longer fast. But as we do, we also daily fast. So I typically don't eat till three or four in the afternoon is my first meal. So I'm fasting 20 hours a day most days. And then certain days of the week, I'll just have one meal and fast 24 hours. So I always are fat, I'm always fasting, but longer fast, I just kind of push the benefits out. So autophagy, you get about three times the autophagy when you do a dry fast compared to a, a water fast, correct? Yes, exactly. And I'm doing a hard dry fast. That means I haven't showered. Ooh, gross. Um, but I don't stink because I'm pretty clean uh, now nowadays. And I, I haven't brushed my teeth. So I'm, that, the hard fast means that the body is so smart that if you shower, it'll pull moisture right through your skin. So to create, to keep the autophagy at its highest level, I didn't even shower for two days. So I, I promise you I'll shower later. <laughs> Utah's dry, right? It is. So I'm getting even more of an effect here. You know, I, I have to say, I haven't even been thirsty. I, I, I said this morning, I, was, I kind of took the dogs out and I was walking in the sun and I started sweating for the first time I got thirsty. And then it's kind of gone away. So my body, I'm sure it'll come back. You know, I kind of listen to my innate intelligence. So if I get thirsty, I'll drink again. So, so a 24-hour a dry, hard dry fast is equal to three days water fasting in terms of autophagy, right? Correct. That's really fascinating. I live in Miami, so it'll, it'll be less of an effect because it's so humid here. My body's going to suck in some of that moisture. Mm -hmm. So the fact that you're doing it in Utah is even more impressive. So I acknowledge you for that, Dr. Pampa. What is your favorite part about your book that's coming out this month, Beyond Fasting? What's your favorite part about this book? The diet variation strategies, because they're transformative. I, you know, I, I think for hormone optimization, meaning basically how do we optimize our hormones, not just to lose weight, stay lean. I mean, you know, I'm in my 50s and I definitely am lean and that's hormone optimization. It really is. Uh, when you see people getting fat as they get older, that's hormone de-optimization because <laughs> it really is about hormones. But, you know, keeping your cells clean and functioning uh, through the cellular detox. I mean, I do a cycle of detox every month. Um, when I was sick, I was doing the cycles more often than that. And Dr. Ben can teach you all that. But the bottom line is, see, I call you Dr. Ben. I know. That's, <laughs> that's in my mind, right? You're qualified. Because um, you know <laughs> more than most. That's the truth. That Thank is you. absolutely the truth. But the fact is, is that through the fasting, through the detox, you know, I, I am able to stay younger, longer. But, um, you and know. you showed I, that with your, with your telomeres. Yeah, absolutely. So the diet variation strategies are my favorite just to close that loop learning how to optimize hormones with this strategy, meaning that three days a week, typically I fast at least 24 hours. And then I feast at least one or two days a week. Feast famine forces the body to adapt and it does it through this hormone optimization. So I always have to remind people the feast days where I eat higher carbs, maybe even just more food those days, maybe three times those days. It could be a high protein day. 
whatever it works. So your body senses that it's not starving, that it has plenty, and it has to adapt to the feast and the famine. In doing that adaptation, it optimizes your hormones. It raises growth hormone, another one called norepinephrine, which downregulates inflammation. Your cells become more sensitive to your hormones, which is the key. That's the key to optimizing your hormones, is getting your cells to hear them. It's not taking more hormones. That's what everyone's doing you know, today, is trying to take more hormones. It's like shouting at our kids. In the beginning, it works, but in the end, they listen less. That's the simplest example I can give you to why when you take hormones, it seems to be working, and then you either need more or it's not working. The key is getting your cells, because that's where the receptors are to the hormones. So if you can get your cells to hear the hormones better, that's key. And by the way, toxins are the number one thing that blunt these hormone receptors. That's why the cellular detox is a critical component here. But also forcing these dietary changes, and it creates a cell that's more sensitive to hearing them. So those two things put together is how we optimize hormones. And then there's monthly variation, where we do five days a month. So ladies, this is important for you, especially the week before your period. If you go higher carbohydrates, and then the rest of the month lower, you get this feast famine thing going on, but you optimize your hormones during your cycle because you need higher insulin and glucose to make certain hormone conversions. Long story, you know, you're, I don't want to lose people, but the bottom line is this, I'll leave you with this. The variation, whether it's seasonal, so I change my diet every few months, I go higher carb, lower carb, ketosis, out of ketosis, but whether it's weekly, monthly, or seasonally, we force the body to adapt and it does it with upregulating certain hormones, getting the cells to hear the hormones better, and ultimately, you optimize your hormones, which optimizes how you feel. I love that. Yeah, you're the one who taught me that when you, make, when you create this adaptation, the good cells get stronger and the bad cells, they don't adapt, they die. So this is uh, so powerful for somebody to understand because you and I, we both love the keto diet. I mean, Keto Camp is my company. You have a great, one of, I think it's the first chapter or the, first, or the second chapter, six incredible benefits of ketones and what they yeah. do in the body. Yeah. So I know, I know you love the keto diet. What is the problem with staying in ketosis for too long? Well, and I would say that any diet too long, vegan, vegetarian, paleo, whatever it is, high carb, <laughs> you know, staying in any diet too long creates problems with your microbiome. It creates problems because you're not forcing adaptation. Let me give you an example. So this is probably something people can relate to. If you hire a good trainer, the one thing that they do is they keep changing the exercises that you do. They keep changing your workouts. The reason you do that is because we know that if you do the same exercise all the time, you plateau, but then you actually start a diminishing returns. So your results actually get worse. So you're going into the gym doing the same thing all the time. We know that your results actually not only taper off, but get worse. So the fact is, is when you change your exercise routine, you create a hormone optimization. Why? Your body has to adapt to the new exercise. That's why, oh, I feel more sore. I feel because your body had to adapt, right? So that's the exact same thing that's happening when we shift our diets. We're forcing the body to adapt. We're not staying on the same diet like we are exercise and getting diminishing returns. I love that. So adaptation is, is the key here. I have a, a few more questions for you, Dr. Pompa. Here's a question that I wanted to ask you. I, and I know the answer, but I want you to, to share it with the audience. When I first saw you speak, 
in person. It was in Boca about over a year ago. And you said that there's three supplements that people are usually on when they come to you and you take them off right away. A probiotic, a multivitamin, and vitamin D. What's the problem and why do you take people off of this? Probiotic. People stay on the same probiotic all the time, maybe because it helped them in the beginning. Similar to diet, right? It's like, why do people become hardcore vegans or vegetarians? Because they felt better. And then they think that staying on it is helping them. Well, same with the probiotic. But the problem is you monoculture. So you're, there's thousands and thousands of bacteria down here, some that we haven't even discovered yet. So by taking this one that has seven bacteria in it, you end up with too many of those. And it really is a diversity that creates health. So therefore, one of the things I teach you all is that we rotate bacteria all the time. You want different ones constantly so you don't monoculture. So that's why we take them off that. Vitamin D. Most people are taking vitamin D and it doesn't have a balance of other fat solubles, vitamin A, vitamin K, vitamin E, and you create functional deficiencies, meaning the vitamin D blocks the receptors because they all share the same receptors. And so it blocks those and you can actually cause a vitamin K deficiency in the cell, which leads to bone weakness. That's why years ago, doctors were like, vitamin D, taking vitamin D causes bone, you know, hip fractures and bone you know, fractures. Well, it's true and it's not true. It's not true if you take a balanced one, but it is true if you just take vitamin D, you cause literally a reduction in the calcium absorption, not good. Vitamin A, there is vitamin D can cause cancer. That's true if you block the vitamin A receptors, right? Because vitamin A depletion can lead to cancer. So you're creating functional deficiencies if you're taking just vitamin D. All right, and then multivitamin, is, you know, look, typically they're unactive forms, so they can create more stress on the liver. I'm just not a fan of taking multivitamins. Uh, you know, I definitely like more active forms, being very specific about your nutrition. So I like being more specific than just randomly taking these multivitamins. 180 solution, 180 degree solution right there. Right. That's right. And, you know, I had to add fish oil to that. Most of it's rancid. Yeah. Everybody's yes. taking fish oil. So that's another thing I take people off. 180 degree solution. If the media is touting the benefits of fish oil, hmm, you know, just think there may be another angle to this. And there is. You've, you've heard some of my podcasts, right? You know, some MIT guys and other scientists who go, yeah, this fish oil thing, it's not working out. <laughs> so, yeah, scientist. yeah. Go to uh, Cellular Healing TV and listen to those. You have two podcasts, part one and part two, about fish oil. Mm-hmm. And you also share the three countries. So we have New Zealand, Australia, and, um, and the U.S. are three of the highest uh, rates of skin cancer. They're also three, the, the highest consumption of fish oil. It's directly correlated. Mm-hmm. Okay, Dr. Pompa, what are you most excited about right now? Well, I mean, I, I think I'm most excited about that book coming out. I worked on it for so long. <laughs> yeah, so, I mean, honestly, I, it's um, a labor of love there. And, you know, people need the information. It's, you know, it's basically how I live my life. Right. I mean, it's a seven week program, you know, to how to how to fast, how to maximize your results of fasting, which is autophagy and stem cells. But, you know, you're going to learn how my wife and I live our life. And we have there's something called telomeres. Those are on the ends of your chromosomes. It's the only biological clock that we know of, meaning the shorter these get, the closer to death you are. So we have a, a way to measure them. It's called a telomere test. And you can c- compare your actual age to your cellular age and after i was sick my cellular age was much older unfortunately 
than my cellular age. Now it's the opposite. <laughs> I'm much younger at the cellular age, and my wife is very young at the cellular age. But in that book, you will find how we did that. There you go. So it's the Benjamin Button effect. That's what I call it. I, I love that. What are you grateful for right now? You know, I, I'm. my kids are that picture right here, you know. All seven of us had health issues because of neurotoxins from pain to purpose. And all seven of us have a part in our heart, you know, to bring this message to the world. So I, I think I'm most thankful for right now is the legacy that God has created, you know, in our family. You know, my, my wife, when I was sick, she had the vision. I mean, God spoke to her and saying, not only is he, meaning me, going to get well, but he's going to take a message to the world. And when she would tell me that, I would get very upset with her because my comment was, I can't even get myself well, you know, or see even beyond, you know, my sleepless nights. And she would remind me of that promise. And now we've gotten other promises for our entire family. And, you know, just seeing that and seeing my children and, you know, and they've all been through their battle, you know, it's, it's pretty amazing. So pain to purpose and being on the other side, moving into God's promise that he has for our family. That's what I'm most thankful for being on the other side. That's beautiful. Last question. What is your definition of, of perfect health? Oh, homeostasis. Uh, what does that mean? Uh, you know, it, it, perfect health really isn't defined by symptoms or no symptoms. Because remember, an expression of symptoms could be an expression of health, right? So when your body gets exposed to something very nasty and it overwhelms your immune system, your cough is an expression of getting rid of something, right? The fever going up is an expression of health of your body burning down a bacteria or a virus. So we can't always look at symptoms as whether that we're gauging health or not. Matter of fact, at the seminar, I remember the woman who stood up said, I had zero symptoms and she ended up, she got cancer. She went in and ran a test and they said, you have cancer. She's like, I, I don't have any symptoms. So the opposite is true as well. So I, I made the point that symptoms can be an expression of health. The lack of symptoms doesn't mean that you're healthy. I had a good friend die of pancreatic cancer. The doctor said it was in him 15 years before even one symptom ever started. So it's not symptoms. So what is it? It's really this homeostasis. A healthy body is a body that brings back to homeostasis, meaning perfect balance. You know, you know, and, and basically it brings that adaptation thing back in because your body's ability to adapt is the expression of health. So you know, you work out, you recover quickly. That's adaptation, right? You get exposed to something, you adapt very quickly. That's adaptation. But that's homeostasis. That's the balance. That's the state of health and balance. Well, where can my audience find you? Where do you want to send them? Yeah, drpompa.com. So uh, dr, and then my last name, p-o-m-p-a.com. That's where Cellular Healing TV is, my podcast, and uh, my articles, and all of it's there. I'm going to put that in the notes. Dr. Pompa, I want to acknowledge you. You have been such a, a, a mentor to me. You, you are like a father figure to me in my eyes. And I just admire you. I admire everything you're doing in this world. And everything you teach me, I take it to my community. And that ripple effect is something that you'll never grasp, but it's there. I know that you're on a mission to, to change the world. You want to have a, a team of 300 doctors, 300 health coaches, 
teamed up together. I'm a part of that. And, and I'm just so grateful that I am in this fight with you in this. I'm going to call it a journey, not a fight. I'm in this journey with you, with other incredible doctors. And I really appreciate you and everything you do. You show up and you went from pain. You're align with your purpose and it shows every time i see you speak every time I, I hear a word come out of your mouth and i'm just so grateful for you and thank you so much for blessing my audience with your presence well i appreciate you ben you're a three percenter and i'm a three percent of the world population change the world you're one of those people you're a three percent you chose it you're changing the world ben you're huge i appreciate you as well thank you so much dr pompa Thank you so much for listening to the entire episode. If you want to learn more about my four-pillar approach to the keto diet, I recommend you head to www.ketokickstartguide.com. I have a 12-page ebook. It's 100% free, and I'll outline how to shift from burning sugar to burning fat, and I teach you a little bit of some intermittent fasting as well. Also, if you haven't already done so, head to youtube.com slash ketocamp, that's camp with a K, and subscribe to my YouTube channel if you want to get amazing keto and intermittent fasting and block fasting information on there. That is the go-to resource. I highly recommend you subscribe. Hit the bell so you get notified when I go live. And I want to thank you for spending part of your day with me. If this episode was useful to you, which I imagine it was, I would truly appreciate you share it with a friend and give this podcast a review and a rating on iTunes. I would truly appreciate that. It'll help get the message out to more people. I want to thank you again for spending part of your day with me. Have an amazing blessed day. I'll see you in the next episode. This podcast is for information purposes only. Statements and views expressed on this podcast are not medical advice. This podcast, including Benazadi, disclaim responsibility from any possible adverse effects from the use of information contained herein. Opinions of guests are their own. And this podcast does not accept responsibility of statements made by guests. This podcast does not make any representations or warranties about guest qualifications or credibility. Individuals on this podcast may have a direct or non-direct interest in products or services referred to herein. If you think you have a medical problem, consult a licensed physician.